frightening sounds echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome to the B-Team Podcast, 31 Days of Horror. I am your host, Josh, joined again by the ghost of Vincent Price. May he rest in peace. Uh, and we are here on day two, and uh, this is my third time recording this one. I have learned my lesson that shouldn't do anything with a script while I'm driving, no nothing happened. I just focus more on the road than on the script, which is a good thing, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yesterday we covered the multi-named Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, aka Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. And uh, Axe, or Axe with an exclamation point, or Lisa Lisa. Now, I did forget to mention that Axe is actually one of the infamous video nasties. This was a list out of the UK of banned naughty, naughty, no-no movies. Uh, And we might be getting to another one on that list today. Um, Before we do that, uh, this goes more into 80s horror, which we're, we're staying away from in the 70s. Uh, But I do want to introduce the concept of a final girl, which I brought up on, I think, a non-horror thing and and went into a whole thing on it. Um, So popularized in the 80s, but definitely started in the 70s. The concept of the final girl is the female character who basically becomes not only the main character, but on the level of the often supernatural or overpowered antagonist. Uh, and is able to go toe-to-toe with this monster or killer. Um, so whenever they, they say, you know, there's there's no female-led movies, there's no strong women, they're, they're full of shit. These people have never seen horror movies. Um, so today's final girl is Sally Hardesty from Independent Movie. I'm sure some of you might have heard of it. It's the 1974 masterpiece, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. Uh, now remember, these are not ranked order, uh, it would be much, much higher. This was the random assembly courtesy of both Brendan and Justin, and then I worked things into pairs. Um, the theme for yesterday was just barely made it. Uh, today the theme is, uh, let's see, proto slashers. That's actually a pretty good one. Just came up top of my head. Um, so Texas Chainsaw is definitely looked at as a proto slasher. Uh, And it's a movie that has some really interesting lore behind it. This is a movie that not a lot of normies have seen. You know, obviously horror fans have seen it. Um, But they like to talk about it, and they like to think they know what it's about. My favorite story there is my late father, Lance, who often will come up on the B-Theme podcast. Um, He confused the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Silence of the Lambs and for years told me not to watch Silence of the Lambs. It was about a guy who eats people and chainsaws them and all these other horrible things, and it's ultra-violent, lots of gore, and um, to this day I have no idea what movie he thought he saw because that's definitely not Silence of the Lambs, but it's not the first Texas either. So unless he saw one of the sequels, or he most likely fell asleep on it because we both have narcolepsy and he would fall asleep on movies all the time. Um... Yeah, the the original Texas Chainsaw is way more of a contained psychological thriller. Uh, It's a character piece, not a lot of gore, not even a big body count. 
You have Sally, played by Marilyn Burns. Uh, you have Pam, who was Terry McGinn. Uh, Sally's brother, Franklin. Um, don't have the rest of the actor name, so, oh well. Uh, and then you have another guy who was named Terry. And, or no, I'm sorry, Kirk and Jerry. That's what it was. And uh, they, they go off in search of, you know, just a getaway weekend at the Hardesty's grandparents' house in Backwoods, Texas. Uh, it starts bad with them picking up a hitchhiker. This is Nubbin Sawyer. I don't think he gets a name in the first one. Probably comes from the second one, which is my favorite of the Texas movies. Uh, it's way over the top, very gory, lots of satire. But that's an 80s movie, so I'm not going to go too, too much into that one. Um, the Hitchhiker is most likely a Vietnam vet. Um, he first tries to take a picture of Franklin with a Polaroid and sell it to him as some kind of his little racket. Uh, he mentions that he lives with the people who own the slaughterhouse, and uh, they have been run out of business, which these movies, not so much the first one, it was more subtle, but as the years went on, in the original series anyway, uh, it became kind of this whole statement on, you know, consumerism and over-reliance on uh, the little guy, and not the greatest business practice if your slaughterhouse goes out to just kidnap people you meet and immediately kill them and eat them, but, you know, Sawyer's gonna Sawyer. Uh, so they stop for gas after they get rid of the hitchhiker. Once he gets violent, the gas station tells them that there is no gas. They're going to have to wait for a fuel delivery, which already seems suspect. Um, and then the couples get bored. They go off to bang and, uh, Kirk walks into the house and he's encroached on Leatherface's territory and Leatherface pops out and he bops him on the head with a hammer. That's right. Uh, there are very little chainsaws in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Leatherface's first on-screen kill is hitting somebody with a sledgehammer or, I guess, like a meat mallet. Um, so Kirk is down. There's a very uh, famous shot of Pam walking to the house. It's a tracking shot that basically follows her ass the whole way. Uh, but the way it's framed is, is just gorgeous. And uh, everybody goes nuts for that shot. And the actress was mortified because they had no idea what they were signing on for. But over the years, she's really steered into it and embraced it with fans at conventions and stuff. She'll even reenact it. Um, so Franklin is wheelchair bound. He is probably one of the most annoying characters in horror. Uh, he's a full grown adult. He's got all of his faculties about him. He just, you know, is constantly seeking attention and, and asking people to do things for him and just always whining. Uh, like I said, it was an independent movie, so these people hadn't really acted before, and it shows. Um, this was a Toby Hooper movie, and it's not the only one on the list, which surprised me. I figured most of his other stuff, all of his other stuff, was probably in the 80s. Uh, but there is one other one that made it on there. Um, Leatherface is played by Gunnar Hansen, who, in my opinion, is the best Leatherface. Um... The shooting was just insane. They were in, like, this 100-degree house, 110-degree house in Texas. There's all the practical effects, and they have, you know, a room full of what's supposed to be, like, rotted meat and bones and sculptures. Uh, and apparently it got so hot that characters just, or actors, rather, kept passing out. Uh, he would run outside, take the mask off, and throw up. A couple people would just pass out on set. 
Uh, a lot of that went into the infamous dinner scene. And I really, I don't want to say too, too much about this one because it is one that if you're going to watch anything, uh, you should give this one a look. Uh, and I know that Sarah actually has not seen this one yet. Uh, speaking of Sarah and where I would direct those who have seen it and thought, you know, it wasn't gory enough for me. I've got the chainsaw movie you're looking for because you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre, which is the tagline from the 1982 classic pieces. Um, pieces is one of the best horror movies ever. It's the best horror movie you've never seen and probably never heard of. Uh, and so few people care about it. You can find the whole thing uncut on YouTube. Um, so pieces again, it's from 82. So I'm not going to say too, too much about it. It is a sleaze trashter piece. It's got copious nudity, tons of gore, and pretty much every kill is done by chainsaw in, in full detail. And the effects are glorious. Uh, and it's got some of the worst dubbing and overacting imaginable. Definitely check that one out. Um, another thing about the name Sarah, we found out, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Sarah's my fiance. She is a member of the B team and regularly featured on the podcast with us. Um, we are both horror fans and we have entirely too many horror movies. And in over 30 plus years, I never noticed this, but the name Sarah as a typically a main character name just comes up more than any other female name in horror. And, um, putting this list together, I wondered, you know, how many it was going to be and jokes on me. There's, there's one movie that features a side character named Sarah and technically two that have an actress named Sarah, but I'll cover that later. Uh, so I haven't shared those findings with her yet, but I, I will be sure to let her know. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to go into much on Texas Chainsaw. I will say that, you know, Sally is our final girl and that doesn't mean she survives. Final girl doesn't always just mean she's the last girl is another expression for it. Uh, but it also introduces what's called the final girl circuit, which is basically almost like a, a scripted wrestling match, which is fun for, for horror fans because you can call like in the wrestling term spots of, of what you think is going to happen and where usually this starts in a house or central location character will run up the stairs chased by the killer and that's you know one of the complaint tropes is why do they always run up the stairs well they run up the stairs to go out a second floor window uh, often onto a roof uh at some point there is a physical altercation where they usually either knock the killer down or get his or her weapon away from them sometimes they'll even use it against them uh then they run outside almost in a complete loop and then either back to where they were or to the killer's lair in the next uh, set piece. Uh, but this one definitely has a, a great circuit and it is one of the first. So it's definitely something to mention. Um, our second movie is the 1976 movie that is also a proto slasher, uh, Alice Sweet Alice. This is a New Jersey movie set in Patterson of all places, which I don't know what it was like in the seventies, but now not the nicest, uh, made by Jersey boy, Alfred soul, who then made a horror spoof called pandemonium and not much else. So I think this is what he's more known for, but this is again, one of the most underrated underseen proto slashers slashers ever. Uh, the killer has a really unique getup. It's a raincoat with a translucent mask, uh, with a little like face drawn on it. And this takes place pretty much in a Catholic church. Uh, it is a religious themed horror movie. And, you know, Sarah and I are both Catholic, so we enjoy it. 
Um, definitely jumped out at us. It got a nice Blu-ray release from Arrow about two years ago. Uh, I will continue to name drop the, the companies that put these out. Obviously, Texas Chainsaw, it's been released a million times. Uh, there's most recently like two steelbooks in the same year. So you, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, but Alice Sweet Alice features a very, very young Brooke Shields. I believe she's like 12 years old, maybe even younger. Uh, and her character is about to make her first communion. And there is a masked killer in the church and she ends up dead. But she also has a troubled older sister named Alice, uh, who's still a child, by the way. And you start to wonder, you know, who's the killer? What's really going on here? The killer seems pretty short in stature. So is it Alice? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, there's a lot of just really gritty atmosphere and not in the Zack Snyder sense, but in the, you know, Patterson, New Jersey sense. Uh, they live in a shitty apartment with this just morbidly obese, like 400 pound landlord. And he's just a really memorable character. He looks like he's right out of a John Waters movie. Uh, he's creepy. There's inclinations that he might or might not be a pedophile. And the older sister, Alice, is just phenomenal. She steals every scene that she's in. Um, it's definitely a Scooby-Doo whodunit, which you'll find that almost every slasher ever ends up that way. And uh, it will keep you guessing. So the, the less said on that one, the better. And um, that will basically do it for day two. So let me know if I mention one of your favorites. If I put something on your radar, let us know what you're watching. Uh, join the B-Team Facebook group. Uh, if you find us on social media, feel free to send a message and say hi. We don't bite. And uh, I will be back tomorrow. Um, one last thing. I didn't do any honorable mentions. Obviously, there are some things that didn't make the cut. Uh, I think tomorrow I'm going to have a rundown of probably movies people were expecting, and then just some things that I cut. Um, but while I'm thinking of it, I'll, I'll give you one of those for today. Um, it was a later era hammer horror, and that's Taste the Blood of Dracula, my favorite of the Chris Lee Draculas, uh, also fitting that religious motif, so that's why it just came to mind. And um, I, with the pairings and with a glaring omission that I added at the last minute, I just I couldn't make it work. It's, it's a fun movie. It's, you know, one of the underseen Hammer movies. A lot of people who are Hammer fans don't like it. It ups the sleaze factor. Uh, Dracula is more violent than ever. But especially the gimmick and the ending, I, I think it's a lot of fun compared to uh, Dracula being struck by lightning and set on fire, which happens in Scars of Dracula, which I'm, I'm not a fan of. That one's terrible. Uh, but yeah, so that is our first honorable mention. I will have more for you tomorrow, and I will have two more films for you tomorrow. So, until then...